Morning, everybody. You've heard that old saying, I'm sure, that after a sermon, some people wake up refreshed and others rise up inspired. I'll try my very best to make the second true and the first not so true. You know, the, the phrase fake news is coin of the realm nowadays, is it not? I mean, it's on everybody's lips, particularly the American presidents. We're hearing it over and over again, the issue of fake news. Now, we know what fake news is. It's something which is presented as genuine news, which is spurious, that has no basis in fact. But it's really only the outcropping. It's, it's a manifestation of a much bigger problem, an insidious problem, something that's very, very widespread and a real problem to society and to the church. And that's misinformation. Fake news is just a form, one of the many, of misinformation. But misinformation is information that's either fabricated or manipulated specifically to influence people in a certain way and to serve somebody's agenda. And we're all targets of it. Whether you know it or not, we are targets of misinformation. So we, we really have to learn how to recognize it when it comes because it's coming in a flood into our lives today. And secondly, as Christians, we need to know how should we fight this tide, this flood of misinformation. But first, let's find out what God thinks of misinformation. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. A prophecy to the nation of Israel, the Old Testament church, as it were. So it's applicable to us, the, the New Testament church, today's church. Isaiah 5, 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It's amazing that nothing much has changed over all these millennia. What has changed is not the fact that there's misinformation and lies around, but the speed with which it propagates and, and moves through our society and the ingenuity that is displayed. That, that's what's new in our age. But there is nothing new under the sun. You know, uh, I was part, Pat and I were part of a little Methodist church in Port Elizabeth a long time ago. And we didn't have our own minister. So we had local preachers coming around, different one each Sunday. And then they would do the circuit and then they would come and visit again. And this one gentleman came one Sunday and he preached from Ecclesiastes. And he said, well, our topic today is, there's nothing new under the sun. And he preached. And about six months later, it was his turn to preach again. And he stood up. No. And he, yes, he really did. I was there. He, he said, I'm preaching from Ecclesiastes this morning. There's nothing new under the sun. And then proceeded to repeat the sermon almost word perfect. Which was great because he was proving the point, right? <laughs> but it's applicable to us. We need to take serious stock of the of the problem of misinformation. Let me first start by giving you some types of misinformation. Now, when we receive this information which is skewed in some way, it doesn't fall into a neat category, and it's normally a mixture of all sorts of things. But let me articulate four of the categories of, of misinformation so we can recognize them. First one is the ones that are just plain fabricated. They're made up. I mean, somebody just really creates something that has no basis in fact whatsoever. It's just generated and... They send it out there because they believe it will get traction and will serve their purpose, but it's totally false. The second one is manipulated information. So and this is the one that happens constantly. 
A piece of genuine information or news or whatever it might be is taken and then a spin is put on it. In fact, they're quite proud of spinning stories. They talk about spin doctors and people like that. What they mean is they take a part of it and they overemphasize it and then they carefully leave out stuff so you get a totally biased view of what's happening. And it even goes to facial expressions and graphics, etc. If you're watching this on TV, the presenter presents it in such a way with the appropriate eye-rolling or sneer or scowl or <coughs> shaking fist or whatever it is that enforces that this is truth. And it's not. It's something that's been spun. I hate to tell you, but I see it all the time in the Christian society. We have picked up a very, very bad habit as Christians. We often spin stuff. We don't tell it straight as it is. We put a little emphasis here, it will suit us. We live off a little fact there that doesn't suit us. We must, we must stop doing that. The third one is out of context information. So a piece of information is taken within, it's genuine information, it's taken out of a one context and then transported and placed into a totally different context with the assumption that it's as true in this context as it was there. And it's not. It's out of context. By the way, we see that often in church as well. A lot of topical preaching nowadays is taking something out of context and just plugging it into a totally different scenario. And the fourth one is falsely connected information. Oh, about a month ago I preached on connecting the dots. So what happens with false information is they connect dots which should never be connected. That is not logical. They have nothing to do with each other, but they want to say, you see, if this is true, then that must be. Look, connect the dots, but it's not. And it doesn't stand up to investigation. I want to give you some examples. So everybody's on the same page, literally. We know exactly what this false information is, this fake news, this misinformation. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you to stick your hands up just now, just because you need to get the exercise, rather than that than faint. How many of you, over the last 10 years, have received once or more than once on WhatsApp or Facebook or messaging or email the story of the giant skeletons that have been found somewhere in Turkey, complete with pictures of the seven-meter-long human skeleton, the face the size of an elephant, and then a cleverly done computer graphic showing you what these giants must have looked like? Anybody received that? I mean, look at the hands. Well, this thing has been flying round and round and round, and it has absolutely zero basis in fact whatsoever. It's somebody who took a f photographs of real bones and then photoshopped them like crazy. It's absolute nonsense. Round it goes. Now, look, this might just be a giant hoax. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, the 8 o'clock, it went... I think, I'd, I think I'd already lost the 8 o'clock service at about this point. <laughs> but it has implications. It makes Christians look stupid. Yeah. And the unsafe people come and say, Ah, oh, come on, man. You guys are so gormless and gullible. You buy into that sort of nonsense. The next one example of the four that I want to give you uh, is something that's happened just this month. And it's happened several times in our country recently. The the xenophobic attacks that have been taking place. 
they invariably get stirred up with misinformation. This time around, it even had a photograph of a spaza shop with a sick child in front of it. That these guys are selling fake food and therefore people are getting sick. And then the mobs descend. And people get chased out of their homes, get beaten up. Not this time around, but the previous time around, a number were killed. And they get displaced and they become homeless. And then you see the television shots of people looting those spazas. Oh, the food's poisonous, right? Yeah, right. Off they go. Crates full of stuff to consume it. Look, in reality, anybody who's been involved in small business and trading of that nature knows that you have to go and buy bulk and you have to break it up into small parcels and you have to resell it at prices that people can afford in, in that particular poor community. And some of the stuff that they buy, I'm sure, has passed its sell-by date. Yeah. You know, you can probably eat food for another three years that's passed its sell-by date, and most of it won't do any harm at all. But huge hurt comes from misinformation which is spread, and then people who react to it. And it's spread by people with an agenda. They want this to happen so that their purposes can be served, so they can make profit or get rid of competitors or whatever the case may be. The third one is something that's really, really annoyed me intensely. It was playing into the very fear in our nation right now. On the 1st of August this year, I got an email from a well-known political party, I shall not name it, and shame it because then I might become a target of misinformation. <laughs> it had five or six hyperlinks in it. Click here to donate. Click here to help us fight the scourge, etc. Five or six times in the one email. It was a fundraiser. And it was all based on this. The president of the ANC, in his capacity of president of ANC, came out of the meeting of 70 and made a statement. He said... The ANC has decided that it is going to support and further the amendment to Section 25 of the Constitution. That's essentially what he said. Listen to what this... Let me quote you from this exact email. Some of you would have received it as well. It says there, This means that your private property, your home, business, or land could be taken away from you without payment. Therefore, give us your payment so that we can fight the scourge. Newsflash, it's always been possible for the ruling party to do this. Guess what? Our previous government, the, the, the NAT government, had the legal right to expropriate land without compensation and to their shame did it. Many times. And Section 25 of our very good constitution actually allows for this to happen. But it's a little bit vague, unfortunately. It needs to be clarified. So all of this stuff is disseminated out to hundreds of thousands of people, creating panic, creating fear, uh, particularly amongst the agricultural community, the farming community. Are we going to lose our livelihood and people are going to come and grab your land and even your townhouse is not safe and all that sort of stuff? Sell now, sell now, sell now. You don't, you don't want to be a holding land. The property prices swing went that direction. The e property-based equities swing went that direction. And a whole other wave of Good tax-paying citizens are fleeing the country who oh, have already fled. It's not right. 
It's misinformation. Let me give you a last one which had some serious implications across the world, not just for our nation. It starts in 1998, but ends in May of this year. In 1998, a United Kingdom doctor published an article in The Lancet, the most reputable of medical journals, where he claimed that his research had showed irrefutably that babies who got vaccinated against mumps, measles, rubella, etc., were far more likely to be autistic. It spawned an entire movement, particularly amongst the ladies, mothers, were placarding outside clinics and saying, don't immunize your babies, don't vaccinate your babies. Then, in 2016, uh, let me tell you, by the way, they then, the medical fraternity then got together and a number of people did serious research into this and totally disproved and said it's nonsense. It's fabricated evidence. They also found out that this man had vested interests. He stood to make a lot of money by spreading that story. So they struck him off the medical roll in the UK and they withdrew the article and made a statement that this is not true, guys. Didn't stop President Trump. In 2016, as part of his election campaign, he used it as one of the fear tactics about the pharmaceutical industries making a lot of profit out of you. Look, they're immunizing your babies. And I know somebody the other day whose child is autistic because of it. He tweeted it 20 times. Right up to date, May 2018. A notorious fake news site called yournewswire.com that everybody who chooses to look at it can see that it is absolutely fake, all of it. Published a story. A toddler had recently died in the UK. It was tragic. It was a real event. They said they've done an autopsy and they found aluminium in that baby's brain and they've attributed that to the vaccination. Isn't that wicked? That's right up to date. Fortunately, it was quickly exposed as being absolute nonsense again. But the implication of this is over the years, from 1998 right up to date, tens upon tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of children have died when they shouldn't have. They've contracted measles or mumps or whatever it is, and they've died, rubella and so on. They shouldn't have. But the parents were scared because they had believed the misinformation, the lie. Misinformation can have terribly serious consequences. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Okay, before I go on to how to combat this, I think it will be helpful to paint the full picture and talk a little bit about how misinformation is actually produced. Here's how it works. First of all, somebody creates a bit of misinformation in the ways that I've described. Bell Pottinger were notorious for that, right? It's a company that dedicated themselves to creating fake news, and misinformation. What they then do is they then publish it in some form, a news website, because there are you know, literally hundreds of news websites, uh, a newspaper that might not be as discerning as it should be, whose reporters don't do enough groundwork, in some way, or a TV presenter, some way they get that news out there. 
Then it's picked up and republished on other sites. People make YouTube clips of it. The thing starts to get circulation. And then it gets cross-posted. We call it sharing. And who does that? Us. The general population take hold of the thing which is just a plain old lie with serious implications, and we share it. And off it goes. Now there's a, a clever spin on this, and it's called circular reporting. It's diabolically simple and very, very clever. This is how it works. Party A produces the false information. Party B then picks it up in some form and republishes it. Party A goes back and changes the initial article to say that they got the information from Party B, thus giving it validity. And suddenly everybody's picking it up and passing it on. So pass it on, so pass it on to everyone. A new spin on an old Christian Turin song, right? Hmm. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. One further thing we need to appreciate is how it actually spreads. Because it spreads with amazing speed. In New Testament times, information passed along Roman roads by foot at about 1.4 meters per second. That was the speed of data. Today, the speed of data is 25 million bits per second. That is the average speed of the internet. You wouldn't believe that in some of our areas. (laughs) But, But worldwide, 25 million bits of data per second. That's how it spreads. The Roman roads made the spread of the gospel possible. The internet has made the spread of spurious information and stuff which isn't good news not only possible, but almost instantaneous across billions of people. (coughs) The biggest disseminators of misinformation, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they, all they've got is you know, false stuff. But among the good is this flood of bad. And the biggest culprits, I guess, are social media and Google. There's must be a lot of good stuff on there, but man alive is there a lot of bad stuff. Let me give you an idea. Facebook has 2 billion monthly users. If something spreads through that, it can spread to an awful lot of people. YouTube has 1.5 billion WhatsApp also has 1.5 billion. Twitter, shame. They've got a mere 330 million monthly users. And Google. Google is not just the biggest search engine. It is a huge provider of information in all sorts, from from maps to email to look-it-ups to whatever. It's a huge provider of information. And it is probably the largest targeted advertising campaign platform that you can get. Now, what I mean by this is, have you ever noticed that you want to Google something? I use Google extensively, and you know it's great, but you have to be discerning. You start Googling something, and you glance across to the right-hand panel, and you see adverts and things appearing, or news items. And you can say, oh, I was just looking at that the other day. Sure you were. And they know it. They're picking up on the things that you're interested in, and they're targeting 
you. And it's happening all the time to us. Now again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these organizations are, you know, evil and it's all bad stuff. No, but they are platforms by which this fake information travels with alarming speed to many, many, many people. So they are used by uh, political parties, they're used by crime syndicates, they're used by cults, and whoever wants to spread misinformation. Whoever. <coughs> Central Europe, during the 2016 American election campaigns, a number of what were called troll farms sprang up. Troll farms. Several thousand teenagers that they paid huge amounts of money to create hundreds of thousands of fake Facebook accounts, fake Twitter accounts, and then to put out fake information on it. And then they created bots, little computerized programs that scoured through and took that wrong, wrong information and shared it to a billion people. That's how it spreads. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. One last piece of information before I talk about how we can combat this. You want to add to all of this, this already immense problem we're facing, two generational shifts in the way that people have become accustomed to processing information and to judging information. And again, I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not saying all of us fall into this category, but I tell you what, it is the general trend throughout the world. First, there's a movement from in the last two generations at least, for a move away from engaged critical thinking to passive gullibility. We're not training our children anymore to think critically. They're not being equipped to be asking the questions, why do I believe this? What is this really? Have I checked this? Does it make sense? Does it, is it validated by any authority source? Ah, there's the second shift. The second shift is a shift away from authority sources, from experts, from people who've actually trained and qualified and spent decades perfecting their abilities, to thought leaders roughly defined as people with a big enough following. Well, not enough people to follow you, surely you've got to be a guru. Or enough people believe something that the consensus view therefore is. If something is trending on Twitter, it's got to be true, right? I mean, how could it possibly be have all these people who are passing it on? And these two shifts, added to the things I've spoken about, really give us a problem of megabit proportions. It's a, a, a really, really big problem. And then, lastly, we add fuel to this blazing fire with the way that our emotions are structured as human beings. MIT released a report a couple of months ago as to why fake news sp is spreading so quickly. So they've done a you know, really comprehensive research. And one of the major factors is because fake news evokes fear, disgust, and shock. We see one of these spurious things and we say, oh, How appalling! This is disgusting! This is horrible. Who can I share it with? 
I could have warned everybody straight away. Straight away I could have, I could have warned. The very emotions that are sponsored by the false are the same emotions which cause us to uncritically pass it on, thinking that we're doing maybe a service or maybe it's just our carnal natures that are getting so worked up about something so nasty. MIT found that fake news is 70% more likely to to be retweeted than any true news. 70% 70% more likely to be retweeted and passed on. Look, quite clearly, as Christians, we want no part of this. The last thing we should be doing is being generators of misinformation. And we should have no part whatsoever in disseminating it. It's something that we should be saying, Oh, Lord, forgive me. Why, why am I being part of, of this thing? And in fact, we need to fight it, not just... Ignore it. So let me give you some strategies. Four strategies to fight misinformation. Strategy one. Realize that as Christians we are children of the light and not children of the darkness. That's who we are. That's what defines us. Jesus came to this world. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he turned to his disciples and said, You are the light of the world. We have been saved and rescued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We should have nothing to do. Let me just read you one scripture among the many. Ephesians 5, 8 to 11. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It doesn't get more clear than that, does it? That's who we are. And that's our calling. So guys, the very first thing we need to do is repent. We need to, we need to stop spinning stories. We need to stop passing on information that's biased, that's one-sided, that's lopsided, that's not giving the whole truth in order to look better or whatever it is. We've got to repent of that. That's sin. And it's just lying. I mean, that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not lie. Calling it spinning doesn't help. It's what it is. We need to stop, desist, and cease from gossiping electronically. Because that's what that is. Just electronic gossip. And we need to stop passing on unverified news. I'll get onto this in a moment, but I'm going to tell you, you'd be shocked how many emails and WhatsApps and the rest of it, particularly while I was still in active pastoral service, that I got from people that were just plain fake news, false misinformation, they hadn't bothered to fact check what they were sending on. We'll have a time in our service just now when we're worshipping, and maybe it's a good time, just wherever you are as you're worshipping, just to take stock of this and say, Lord, am I guilty of this? In which case, Father, I repent. I really am sorry. And I set myself by the power of the Holy Spirit not to be part of this darkness anymore. I'm going to give it no space. I'm not going to pass it on. Strategy two. 
We need to change our default position from passive gullibility to active discerning skepticism. We need to be holy skeptics. Instead of saying, who shall I pass this on to? We should be saying, why should I believe this? That's the first question. Why on earth should I believe this? Why in heaven's name should I believe it? Let me give a few four examples. Um, yeah, I've said this before. I know when I give examples, I tread on somebody's toes. So let me just apologize up front. Sorry, let me go on. <laughs> but tell me, why on earth did anyone, let alone tens of thousands of people, believe it when our ex-president, our erstwhile president, stood on national television, waving a little piece of paper with some yellow highlight markers on it, stating that he was firing the Minister of Finance because he had an intelligence report proving the man was a scurrilous, treasonous villain. Why, why would anybody choose to believe that? But a lot of people did. Why would we accept the same ex-president he really boiled my blood the other day when I saw him talking to university students, this was last week, university students, and trotting out the same old lie. There is no such thing as state capture. It's a political myth. And then using probably the worst non-reasoning I've heard in decades to try and justify why he was saying, why would anybody, let alone university students, choose to believe that? on a slightly lighter but more international note. Why would we be shocked to learn that a mystery planet called Nabooru has been in the, in the outer reaches of the solar system for years? Did you know that? It's bigger than Mars and it's approaching. And it's about to collide with Earth <laughs> and wipe out all known life. I don't know if I should say hallelujah to that or not, but... And you think I'm kidding. It's one of the top ten fake stories of 2018. Jump onto YouTube and just try, type in search, Naburu. And you'll come up with dozens of beautifully made videos. I mean, they are wonderful graphic animations of this fiery planet. It's a coming. Why would anybody choose to believe that stuff? Unless they were gormless and uncritical. And listen, guys, and uh, here's where I might be treating on somebody who's done this. But why would any Christian, any Christian, rush off and buy water at a great price that's been blessed by the holy man of God from Nigeria or wherever it is, because they've been told that it cures cancer, makes you prosperous, and does it do things for your love life. <laughs> why, why, why would anybody do that? We have to change our default position and say, I'm not going to be gormless, and I'm not going to be gullible, and I'm going to critically examine these things and judge them against the Word of God and judge them against common sense and reason. Strategy three, fact-check anything before passing it on. There's a thing called Snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S.com. It's 
full of about five fact-checking sites. Probably the, the biggest. I certainly use it constantly. All you need to do is type in some keywords or even cut and paste something from the actual article or piece of news that you've received. Just paste it in and within seconds it comes back and says, yeah, well, there's some substance to this and, and give you facts. Or it will say, absolute lie out of hell and here's why. And give you all the facts. Snopes. How many times over the last 30 years, no, I'm exaggerating, it's the last 18 years in fact, have I received WhatsApp messages or Facebook posts or emails saying, watch out, you must tell everybody, everybody you come in, your whole, your whole 2,225 followers on Facebook or whatever, is tell them instantly, write another article, please, 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 because somebody in America is writing and is producing a movie about how Jesus was a homosexual. And that's been going around for 18 years. You know what? If you just took the keywords out of that and stuck it into Snopes, you would see all iterations of that over the 18 years that came out in this form, this form, this form, this form, and all of it is total nonsense. My uh, frankly irritated stock response when I received those kind of messages, kindly check with Snopes.com. Thank you. Strategy four, and here's the biggie, and I'll end with this. Commit to being a proactive conveyor of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the Bible is the repository of truth. When Jesus came into the world, John's Gospel says, the light entered the world, but the darkness could not perceive it and comprehend it. It says Jesus came full of grace and truth. The way, the truth, the life. And we have the privilege of being those who have recognized that. Those who have bowed the knee before Him who is truth. Who's in His life and in the Scriptures we can find truth. Instead of passing on all this scurrilous electronic gossip that destroys lives... We can pass on truth, and we should be. Many, many years ago, uh, one of the pastors that I was quite friendly with in the area um, said, it was, it, it was in the context of praying for healing, and he said, you know what, whenever he's got a cold in the nose or whatever it is, he makes a point of going and finding three people with colds that he can pray for and minister healing to. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Because it's taking something which is a problem and he's turning it around saying, okay, Lord, I'm more concerned about the other folk who are hurting. Won't you heal them, please? We can do that. We are custodians of light and truth. And every time we get one of these rubbish things crossing our Facebooks or our news feeds or whatever it is, we have the power to not only ignore it and not pass it on, but to put into its place truth. And so that the people get light in Jesus' name. This then is how we can fight misinformation and false news, fake news. Okay, I want to end by putting a spin, a positive spin, on Isaiah 5 verse 20. You see, because whenever you find a woe, the opposite of it 
we can, I think, legitimately take as a blessing. And so let me phrase it this way for us. Blessing to those who call evil, evil, and good, good, who put light for darkness, who put sweet for bitter. For that is the way of the kingdom of God, calling darkness what it is, and putting out light into this world. In Jesus' name, amen.